The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for I pounce the coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the I'm fresher than fresh and the I step out the steps of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is ready to take on the world. He is ready. He is ready. He is ready. Josh. How are you doing this evening? I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. That is great to hear. Great to hear. Hey, how is this long weekend in the United States? Treat yeah, you. it's good, I guess. Um, uh, it's been in the 40s here and oh, raining. And At least it's not snow. It, it's almost cold enough for snow, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it'll be a little bit warmer tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to get rain, but... Uh, We'll see. Um, I did get to check out, I posted on our Instagram, um, our first, not first, because we did have one, um, but uh, our first proper esports bar opened up. Um, the one we had before was kind of more like a console gaming hub place, gotcha. but this is a, okay. at least plans to be a, a proper esports bar. Uh, it's called All Systems Go. It's actually really close to my house. And uh, yeah, we went to check it out. They have like a... They have a bar, they have an espresso bar, they have a uh, kitchen, they have a big giant TV, they have, I think, four vibrating, three monitor racing chair setups, like, with the, like, just crazy setup. They have a streamer lounge where you can, like, they have, like, streamer lights and stuff set up and you can go in and stream in their little gamer booth. So what uh, you're saying is you could have recorded our podcast from there. You know, when they told me that, I almost I was wearing our, my hood, our hoodie. Uh, I didn't mention <laughs> I didn't mention the the podcast, but I figured I would Josh, go back. Josh, they could become a sponsor, and you could record there every Sunday night. No, I don't want to do that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I need to be home. Usually, I have the <laughs> like now the baby monitors to my right. Can't really leave him by himself. <laughs> you said it was super close to your house. That's totally safe, right? It's. I mean, it's not baby monitor range close. <laughs> um, I kid, obviously. I kid. Yes, but that place is really nice, and it, it's very. It's a great sign for the community, and uh, you know, even just sitting at the bar, they had two two TVs going with uh, esports on them, uh, so we were able to watch some League of Legends while we were sitting down and having a beer. Gotcha. Were you rooting? Who were who were you rooting for? Oh, I didn't know who who was doing what. I just know okay. that it was. I thought it was. It was not proper league. It was a variant. Okay. Where it's like an auto chess variant. It's like in a small eight by eight board. Oh, was it just straight up auto chess that was being played? No, I asked. I was like, "Is this the auto chess thing?" I felt like an old man. <laughs> Is this auto chess? <laughs> I've been hearing so much about. <laughs> And the bartender was like, uh, no, I don't think so. Well, you know what, what was weird? Sitting down at a bar 
in talking to the mm-hmm. bartender about video games. And like that has never happened ever in my long drinking life where the bartender's like, yeah, I pl- I've been playing this game and I've, I've been doing this and that. And I'm like, I can't, I'm trying to remember what we talked about. We talked about Biomutant and he talked about Pokemon. And it was just really weird to have a conversation with a an adult male bartender about <laughs> video games. <laughs> Josh, it sounds like there's a part-time job here for you. Yeah, no kidding. I don't need to work more. I've been working 60 hours a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I know we're going to talk about um, video game news this week, but did you see the Supermassive thing? Be more specific, please. Uh, they did a, 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 I don't know, an E3 version of their new game, their um, Dark Pictures Anthology. Wait, like they revealed gameplay and stuff? Yeah. How did I miss this? I, I don't know, but um, it's not, it's, the- it doesn't have a fixed camera. You were the first person to tell me about this, Josh. Yeah, there's no fixed Nobody, camera. Did they talk about it in Discord even? <laughs> no, uh, there's no oh, fixed okay. camera. It looks really cool. And you have a flashlight now, so when you turn, you're you're controlling the whole camera. It's not like the traditional last two games, or three technically. Um, it takes place during the Iraq War, and while you're, you're actually military looking for WMDs, so it's actually... We did talk about video games getting political in our Discord. Yeah, yeah we and did. And this one is just going back to 2003. Flat out, your your U.S. soldiers in the Iraq War searching for so WMDs like, underground, and you find um, an ancient uh, evil. Evil. Of some they sort. said that they they playing off um, uh, Alien, Predator, and The Descent. Yeah, I say it look like when Pretty I good pedigree the- of horror films. Yeah, when I watched the trailer for it, I was like, this feels like The Descent to me, big time. Yeah. is really the one that it pulled from for me, or maybe, you know, Alien versus Predator. Well, let's not go down that road. <laughs> hey, I mean, they come on, they go down into, I mean, they descend down into that temple, like, it's kind of like that. Yeah, you should check it out. They also talked about how they re- they redesigned the monsters, and they didn't really show them purposely. They did show an actor mo-capping the movement of the monsters, and it looks very impressive. And then once again, they nailed like the facial design. And Ashley Tisdale is the main character. I don't know if we knew who the female protagonist was, but we do know now that it's Ashley Tisdale. Interesting. In- hmm. Uh, High School Musical, which I haven't seen, and yeah, Cuts, I think is the TV show she was on. I was about to ask if any other Wildcats were with her, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I only know that reference <laughs> lightly. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, you know, Josh, we're all in this together, so. Uh, okay, see, and now I know what you did, but I'm <laughs> so not familiar that I only know a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. There was actually a ton of video game news, and I only like highlighted one story that I wanted Ooh. us to talk about, but maybe we'll talk about more. I'm okay I, with I that. Think <laughs> about talking only about the one or talking about more no i mean i'm okay talking about what you have down no oh, problem <laughs> i figured you would be but you know we might throw some far cry in there too so yeah cool cool among potentially other things but how has your weekend been it's been really good it was um not too bad out here weather wise it was definitely cool but you know not freezing freezing in the <laughs> 50s though which is a pretty cold but you know We'll, we'll get back up there in the next week or so. I uh, had some friends over today to play board games for the first time in, I can't, I don't even know. 
Uh, we were all fully vaccinated, so it was really fun to get together, play some board games. Um, you know, played a little newer, kind of newer stuff with Azul, but then also dusted off an oldie but a goodie and played some Power Grid, which, Josh, I can't even tell you the last time I played Power Grid, but god darn it, that game is so good. It really, really holds up. Um, the people we were playing with um, are friends of my partner's, um, and I, I kind of know them. I would say I'm more of an acquaintance with them, but <laughs> when we, they're a little bit newer to the hobby board game area. And when we took out power grid and started setting it up, the first thing they said was like, Oh, is this like post-apocalyptic pandemic <laughs> because of the way the board is laid out and designed. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that or steampunk pandemic, I guess could potentially work too. But then when I thought about it, I was like, wait, this game is way... Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me. They said Ticket to Ride. That's what it was. Uh, they said, is this post-apocalyptic Ticket to Ride? And I was like, this game was pre-Ticket to Ride. So I was like, I don't know if that, you know, <laughs> that, that, the, that is fair to, to poor old Ticket to Ride, there, or to poor old Power Grid there. But Because right. um, you've, you've played Power Grid, yes? Yeah. Uh, actually, I, the last time I played Power Grid was 2004. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think they're the same year. I that's think not when it came out, but that's when I played it. Well, I think Power Grid came out in 2004, didn't it? Let's find out. Power Grid. Uh, it's funny because my buddy, Greg, really wants to play Power Grid, so he bought it. He made the mistake of buying it from my brother, who never plays oh. board games, ever. So he bought it for years and years and years ago. I don't think you think he's opened it. <laughs> it's just sitting. Oh, gotcha somewhere in his house uh, uh it is grid. both 2004 yeah okay. for some reason i think it to ride is 2006 in my head but yeah they're both 2004 yeah that's when i that was i played it at the very first pax east uh and that was the only time i played it and we were <laughs> we were playing it wrong we were stopped by two on two separate occasions we were stopped by passers-by just looking at the table that we were playing at and the first guy's like, you guys aren't playing that, right? <laughs> and we're like, okay, great. Uh, can you give us like some tips? And he gave us like three tips and left. And then the second guy came by. He's like, uh, you guys are not playing that, right? You mind if I sit down? And we were like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I really like Power Grid. I, and, you know, not that we're probably going to talk more about, you know, stuff we've been playing like next week or so. And that yeah. intro is already going long. But. <laughs> I think the one thing I really appreciate about Power Grid is the fact that there is strategy in being in last place. Okay. Compared to, you know, typically it's like, oh, I want to be in first or you're trying to work yourself up towards first. Like because of the way the turn sequencing goes where like when you bid on powers, when you bid on uh, other power plants, whoever is in first gets the first ability to pick what's going to be bid on. But then when it comes to resource purchasing and building it goes in reverse turn order so like if you're in last place then you get the first dibs on resources so you have to buy the least expensive resources uh so there's this kind of nice little like balance between really trying to be in first place it's like well yeah you could be in first place but then when you have to go to have to power your power plants and buy your the resources for them or, or the fuels for them like you have to pay more you know so it's this really interesting kind of dynamic of like do i want to be in first do, is it maybe better for me to be in last for a little bit to be able to get things things a little bit less expensive to save some money for the long run so I can get a better power plant down the road? It's, a, it's an interesting push and pull with your with turn order in that game, and I really appreciate it. So, but 
Cool. Uh, okay, well, Josh, you know, we're almost, you know, 10 minutes, 12 minutes into the episode. <laughs> uh, the intro, though. Uh, did you know the song, Josh? I'm ready. I didn't. Um, I didn't know it, but I do now. So, yes, this song, uh, I'm ready from the Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales soundtrack uh, recorded by Jaden, uh, a.k.a. Jaden Smith. Um, and, you know, as the kids say these days, Josh, uh, this soundtrack slaps. It is so good. The soundtrack as a whole, I-, I know this game came out last year, but I really think that people slept on how good the soundtrack was in general. And I'll be totally honest, this wasn't the song I was listening to while I was writing the show notes, but it was the first song on the <laughs> on um, the soundtrack that had words so that's why i picked this oh. one and i and i listen to this song all the time too uh but you know in general there's no words sure. most of the other songs there's only like three songs on the whole soundtrack that have words um but it is still a very very good song and it's definitely uh the most popular song on the soundtrack by far um but it's really good and and i encourage people to check it out uh and even if you haven't played the game just it's a really really good soundtrack it's a really nice mix of what they were doing in the original Insomniac Spider-Man game with adding a little more style to it. Like, it's just a really good soundtrack. I really enjoy it. I listen to it all the time. Um, so, you know, check out check out that Spider-Man Miles Morales original soundtrack. You can listen to it on Spotify if you want to. So Nice. Anyway, Josh, should we get on with the show? I mean, we are we're doing it. Let's, well, let's keep doing it then. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, like Josh's little tour of his new esports bar. Mm. Also, Board with VG there. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. I do want to pause briefly, though, to give a shout out to a few of our very special producers over at the Patreon. And that is Michael Masick, Barry Cathcart, Edwin Kahlo, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Rude Days 93, Ben Moxham, Rob Emanuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, Grouchy Sergey, Devin Tyus, Josh Borboni, RJ Kern, Zachary Adams, the newest edition, Joseph Wilson, and of course, who could forget Horse Girl 69? And we're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Uh, shout out to Benji Kong, also a new one of our new Patreon supporters. Uh, we I we forgot him last time too. Benji Kong, Joe and Benji Kong, same day came out. Oh, I thought Benji Kong uh, was just in the listed, not in the out louds, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, is he? I don't know. I, started I think I, so. I could uh, be wrong. Add him to the show notes list. Benji right. Kong from Cross Players 2. Well, right. he's getting an extra. <laughs> if he doesn't deserve it, he's getting an extra shout out one way or the other. <laughs> we appreciate the support. Uh, okay, so Eric Lang, Marvel United, uh, every Seamon game ever made. Pretty much. The upcoming Ankh, which I actually wish I backed, uh, has a new board game coming out. And 
it's probably not what you would expect. Uh, and I say that because it isn't what you expect. I guarantee it. <laughs> it's, it is a, unless you're in our Discord and you already know about this a little bit. Uh, it is called Disney Sidekicks. Um, and it's the next board game from, uh, not, I don't know if it's just Eric Lang, but he is at least the designer. Uh, it's being published by Spin Master Games. It's for two to four players, and I'm, I'm grabbing the blurb from dicebreaker.com, so, uh, which I'm sure they grabbed from Spin Masters, but that's neither here nor there. So, save the heroes behind classic Disney films as their second in commands in Disney Sidekicks. So it's it was announced by Eric Lang on his Twitter account. Uh, Disney Sidekicks has two to four players becoming the supporting cast of several beloved films from the animation studio as they attempt to rescue their friends. Featuring the likes of Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King, Tinkerbell, uh, Abu, uh, etc. It's a co-op game which players must work together to save the heroes uh, of their characters' respective films from the clutches of villains who have kidnapped them. So you face off against Captain Hook, Gaston, Scar, Jafar, and Maleficent, at least in the base game. If this was a Kickstarter, it would be a $400 version uh, with every Disney villain. <laughs> uh, but players will need to buddy up and make their way across the game board uh, to the castle where their friends are being held captive. Along the way, the players will be fighting against baddies, saving helpless victims, and gradually collecting all the keys they need to open up the castle doors thereby freeing their incarcerated heroes. Should players manage to find all the keys and reach the castle, they win. Uh, I will say this. Um, our listeners can't see the game board. This is what I would describe as um, the game board from board games you played when you grew up. Yep. It is a very... And they mentioned keys, so of course I'm like, key to the kingdom, but it's not. It's actually... A, a, it seems to be an even simpler board there doesn't seem to be yes. too many um spots to land on i mean i could probably count them right one two three four five six seven eight nine on the outside track nine spots on the outside track not very big does seem to have a pretty cool 3d there's some uh, 3d printed bridges or plastic bridges plastic castle in the middle um you get nice art i would say on the cards and you have proper character miniatures as your as your pawns, which look nice. Uh, so we don't have a release date yet, but we do know. Oh, we do. Sorry, it's coming out August first, and it's going to be thirty bucks. So I think that's an easy buy for me, right? Because this is a game that I can play with my wife, and then I know I can eventually play with my son. Uh, I don't know that we have age age range yet, but it seems I don't want to say simplistic because that sounds like an insult. It's not. Uh, it just seems like a fun pick up and play game. Do you have any interest in this game at all? I I don't even know. In my head, I think you're a big Disney freak like the rest of us, but I don't even know if that's true. I do really like Disney a lot. Um, it's something that my my partner and I really enjoy. We watch. Disney movies all the time. Uh, we're talking about going to Disney World next year. Like it is something that I I do enjoy Disney quite a bit. Um, now there's a loaded question: Am I interested in this game? Yes and no, because as uh, the game looks really 
really, really light and <laughs> very, very much like a game, uh, like you said, I would have played growing up. And that's I'm not saying that's bad. I just don't know if I am the target audience for this game. And that's okay. So I don't, I don't think it, it means it's a bad game. I will definitely want to see some reviews and read some reviews. This isn't like a pre-order for me unless my partner says she wants it. Um, yeah. And obviously at the $30, it's really not, you know, a, a scary price to jump in at by any means. So I, I'm interested. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it. But this is not an automatic buy for me. Uh, you know, Eric Lang is obviously a really good board game designer. So even if the game is pretty straightforward, that doesn't mean it isn't necessarily going to be good still. Um, so it, it's got a chance. It's got a chance. Um, here's my big question about it, though, Josh. Yes. If we're the sidekicks saving the heroes from the big bad. Yeah. Aren't we then the heroes ourselves? Like we're not the sidekicks anymore. <laughs> no, because we're not actually fighting the big bads. We're just getting the key to unlock the hero. Like, the goal I mean, isn't, so. like, for Abu to beat Maleficent. <laughs> the goal is for Abu so. to release Aladdin to beat Maleficent. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I mean, uh, transitive property, right? Sure. Like, if I'm the one who released... <laughs> yes, and if you want to view it that way, you certainly can, but I'm here to provide the Devil's Advocate's point of view, <laughs> where everything you say is wrong or right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and I think it's cool that these are the things that Eric Lang now gets to do that he isn't, you know, 100% committed to come on like he was before, where he, he could branch out, do these other games. He's talked long and regularly on his Twitter about how we need to get away from complexity in games and, and not that games can't be complex, but that we seem to only say that complex games are good, right? That simple games we tend to say aren't as good as complex games. And that that's something that we should not um, always be committed to, that we should look for for different things and, and um, create games of, of different, you know, difficulty and complexity. And and that that's OK. That's OK to have lighter games. And um, I, I think this could be one of those. But like I said, might be just a little too light for me. But we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah. So is this a this is a pre-order for you then automatically no matter what? No, I mean I don't pre-order board games. So uh, I'll buy it when it comes out. I'll go to Target and pick it up on August 1st. Well, it's Target or so August 5th. August 8th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just maybe I'll just buy it on Amazon the day before. Um yeah, it's actually a bummer if it came out the week like going on vacation in July with my family like this is a great board game to get my parents to play just based on theme would be easy even mm -hmm. if it's a light game because uh, i always have that i had a year off of having to try to figure out board games to bring on vacation because <laughs> i always have to like weigh the audience and the game weight <laughs> so uh that would have been an easy pick so we'll see what i'll bring this time but yeah uh, i'm excited for it regardless i think um you know Playing with Ashley and my wife, it's still like she can play the heaviest of games, but it's always easier to say, hey, we got 30 minutes. Let's play this game we haven't played before. Yeah. You know, and, and knowing that will be easy to pick up in as Disney would make it easier. But yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And, so anything else then about uh, Disney sidekicks? I can't wait to see all the expansions. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't think this is built for expansions, but. We'll see what happens. Indeed. 
All right, Josh, my first story also comes from Dicebreaker, and the title is, quote-unquote, Digital Fatigue is Fueling Board Game Sales Among Adults Report. So, again, like I said, this comes from the folks over at Dicebreaker, and the story says, I'll just read a brief little snippet here. The rising number of older players looking for a non-digital alternative to video games helped the tabletop gaming industry reach new heights last year, with the hobby hobby expected to keep growing in 2021. That's according to a new report from the market research provider Euromonitor International, which predicted that the global games and puzzles market, which includes board games, tabletop RPGs, and trading card games alongside traditional jigsaws, would exceed $12.4 billion in value this year. The prediction follows a booming 12 months for tabletop games, despite the impact of COVID-19 on the industry. Players were said to have turned to the game cupboard in droves as a result of having increased free time during lockdown. The growing nostalgia for classic games and the value of board games in the face of economic uncertainty caused by Brexit in the UK. Now, obviously, this story specifically is talking about Europe. Yeah. But, Josh, in hearing this, thoughts? Surprised? Not surprised? Fits with what your expectations were? What are your thoughts on hearing that digital fatigue is calling, causing people to turn to board games? I guess I would be surprised because it doesn't line up with what we saw with COVID, at least, like the fact that you had to that you couldn't buy a switch unless you paid 600 bucks on eBay um, because everyone went to video games. Everyone was like, well, now is the time to get the switch for my family. And at that time it was like PS4 still and and Xbox one. So we were still dealing with pre current gen consoles. And um, having said that it totally makes sense for the people who couldn't eat, well, one, who couldn't get their hands on it, or two, didn't want to. And, you know, thinking about all these games by me that I have that I haven't played, if, yeah, if I didn't have a kid um, during the pandemic, we would have played games all the time, constantly. We would have been playing board games. So I get that. Like, you're also trying not to spend money, and some people couldn't spend money, period. So you're also stuck with what do you have that's available to you and there are a lot of people out there that have just kind of board games sitting around now i don't know if this report is talking about our type of board games that we play now or if it's talking about like parcheesi and scrabble and and games like that that people just kind of have sitting in their cabinets because they say cabinets like Yeah, th- this definitely includes mass market games. Yeah, it, pa- it paints 100%. a picture about like, you know, like you know, and there's nothing wrong with having those games. That's that's kind of like if you rent a air like an Airbnb or rent a house on the beach, like you know, you're gonna find Trivial Pursuit in the closet because they all go to the same um, secondhand stores where you can always find Trivial Pursuit 25th anniversary edition. So. Like, and that's okay because games are meant to be um, social stimulus, right? Like, uh, or stimulants. Uh, so I get it. And it's, and if it helped the board game industry grow, that's even better, right? So maybe this, maybe for the same reason why people bought consoles for the first time, uh, which then turned them maybe into gamers. This could be the same thing. Like, hey, someone had Catan in their in their thing, and they're like, 
I don't think we've ever played this. Why did we even buy it? And then they try it, and then they they get that same gateway uh, addiction. So that could be good too for board games. Yeah, the, this report does make sense. It is kind of counterintuitive because board gaming being so social, you'd assume that in a year where people were probably less social than ever, yeah, that something like board games would struggle. But people were playing board games with the people in their house. Yeah, there's you know, the people not, they're stuck with. <laughs> right, exactly. It was like, well, if I just keep I can only watch this show so many times or I can only see this movie so many times. So we're going to do something else constructive. We're going to play this board game. So I'm not really surprised by this. And I hope that this encourages people just like, you know, trying to find the silver lining in, in a tough situation. Hopefully this, you know, keeps that door open for a lot of people moving forward that they finally enjoy games and they like playing games as a family and that this continues that they continue to enjoy uh, engage in the hobby because that's something we need to see and we want to see for the hobby to grow and to welcome more people to it because gaming is awesome um so yeah obviously video games have like their best year ever tabletop games though you know nothing to shake a stick at they're having a pretty good year too obviously comparison from one versus the other not quite equal but hey you know tabletop games still being super successful uh and i think yeah just in a time where you think they wouldn't be, it's nice to see that overall uh, they're sticking around, they're doing well, and that we, that probably means good things for the future of board games. So cool. Anything else about this story you'd like to talk about, sir? Uh, no, no. Uh, awesome. di- digital fatigue is real. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I will agree there 100%. All right, Josh, what is your next topic? Okay, crossover time. I just I decided to bridge the gap. I did board game then board game, video game, and then video game story. Uh, so we have a video game-driven board game, kind of. Uh, so we have a new game coming out on Kickstarter on June 28th. It's called Game of the Year. And what it is, again, this is from Dicebreaker.com. You hear the fireworks going. It's. I do hear the fireworks. I guess I have to give them a pass, right? It's Memorial Day weekend. Yep, that, that's true. <laughs> I got to give them a pass. Um, yeah, so Game of the Year turns tabletop into a video game studio hungry for awards. Now, there are, to be clear, there are other board games out there similar to this, but this is video game-centric. Um, and yeah, so this is coming to Kickstarter. It is the latest title from German studio Nice Gaming Publishing, or NGP, uh, and it attempts to cross the streams of bitter rival hobbies, video games and tabletop games, by presenting an experience all about developing a award, an award, sorry, an awards contender that will keep the lights on for at least another fiscal quarter. So one to four players take on the precarious role of a video game, uh, a video game developers trying to assess out what genre, mechanics, features will woo the general public and voters at the next annual Game of the Year award show. So you're not even necessarily trying to build a good game. <laughs> I mean, you are, but you're. I think you're trying to build a good game based off of the content of cards, not like you're not trying to build the best game ever. Uh, there's a lot of different cards in this game, but it uh, definitely has more tongue-in-cheek uh, elements to it. Do you have any interest in playing a board game where your goal is to try to amalgamate a successful video game based off of um, I'm wondering if it says so you have like a theme like the the example on the board is adventure um, you get reward cards so you have theme genre 
you have a rival game, which I guess will give you um, the motivation to be competitive. <laughs> and uh, you have a feature, features of your game. Uh, the example in the picture for the Kickstarter is um, it's an adventure game with a storm and witches uh, with a high score table, secret missions, and VR support. And there's a hype level track, and there's a main uh, board which has a reputation system on it. What do you think of about this like uh, puzzle? Uh, what is the word I want to use? Cookie cutter uh, board game style for this. I'm interested in this game. I don't know that I'm going to get it, but I definitely will check out the Kickstarter when it launches because this is something that I, I want to know more about. I want to know how this game plays. One of the things I find uh, humorous is there's reward cards uh, in the game, it looks like. And one of the reward cards says, Indie Reputation, add one star per element that has bugs. Uh, so I think they should just call it the Bethesda card, but, you know, that's cool. Uh-oh. Coming after Bethesda. <laughs> Real, you said, in, you said Indie. <laughs> it says Indie Reputation, not uh, that it's an indie okay. game. So... Yeah, but no, it looks interesting. Uh, and looking at the cards that they have laid out here, I think making a uh, cyberpunk mafia UFO game seems pretty sweet. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, I would play that. <laughs> Where you're a cyberpunk mafia fighting invaders from space. I'm just saying, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or what about skating knights underwater? <laughs> I don't know how well you could skate underwater, though. Maybe you're wake skating on the water. Oh, but no, it's, it does say underwater specifically. That's a bummer. And the knights underwater, like their their armor would just drag them down. That's a good point. What about cat ghosts skating underwater? <laughs> Man, you just really love this underwater, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just catching my eye. <laughs> cat I, vampires skating in trains. <laughs> I, don't. <laughs> uh, I think cat surgery underwater. You're a cat trying to perform a surgery while you're underwater. That to me seems pretty good. There you go. Or what about cat farming in the jungle? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, I appreciate the effort though. This is, it seems like a pretty unique genre, a pretty unique style of game. Uh, I do wonder though how. And I'm sure that, you know, it comes like you just have to meet certain requirements. Uh, I think of games like. Josh, what was the game <laughs> by Harmonix? Drop Mix. Thank you. You're welcome. I think it games like Drop Mix where you're trying to like, you know, put together all this cool stuff into like your own little mix. Yeah. But the fun thing about Drop Mix is that it played music. <laughs> You know, whereas this is yeah. just going to be it on good. the table. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's the one thing I, I am a bit hesitant about that. Uh, you're going to get some maybe funny combinations in some cards, but the visual representation of them will never happen on screen because it's just a board game. Uh, but I'll check it out because I'm interested to see how this game works. Uh, I think it's a unique premise and it's something that I love that board games can do these super quirky, unique um, you know, ways that they present them um, and themes around them. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how it happens. What about you? Is this something you're potentially interested in? Yeah, you know, I would get this at 30. I'm not I'm not buying this for 60 bucks. So. And 
my worry about a Kickstarter with this is that it's going to be more than I want to pay. But we'll see. It could be it could be uh, affordable. It definitely could be. So we'll take a look at that when it lo- launches on June 28th. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else about that, Josh? No. Okay. Well, Josh, I'm going to do a little gaming this or that for you. And this is something we actually did a really, really long time ago. Probably like 100 episodes ago. Maybe more. Whoa. Um, where I'm going to give you a this or that. I have five topics for board games, five topics for video games. And we're going to pick which one we choose if we had to choose one of the two. And why that's our preference, okay? Okay. So to start with, board games. Josh, if you had to pick, would you rather play a two-player game or like a two-player only game? Or would you rather play an eight-player game? <laughs> two-player. Why? Why a two-player game, Josh? Uh, it's just logistically easier. Uh, let's just say, let's let's get logistics out of it. Let's just say that you could easily do either. You could have an eight-player game or you could have a two-player game. You know, which one would you rather do? Oh, like I would always have the er, the right amount of people? Like you could, yeah. Like, and really what I'm shooting at here is do you want that party game? Do you prefer something like that? Or would you rather sit down and play something like Seven Wonders Duel? Well, we live in a world now where it's not party games anymore that you have eight players. So I would, in that situation, I would choose eight players. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean. Is there a certain game you want to play at eight players? I <sighs> Honestly, I'll play most games that offer eight players. We li- like venturing into board games. I love playing games with my wife. I do, mm-hmm. but uh, I love board games for multiple reasons. One of those reasons is being social and the at- that kind of atmosphere. And if I knew that I could like always play a game with eight people, I mm-hmm. think that's exciting and. Uh, I think that's what I would pick, just just based off of. I'm, there's a lot of games out there that you can play with eight players. Oh, for sure, for sure. Now, if two of those people weren't taking the game seriously, yeah, that's tough. Or that you trying, didn't, you didn't, you didn't. I know. I'm just. Ask, I know you picked eight <laughs> players. That's totally fine. Now, I'm just asking this as an add-on, as an additional. Like, if you have a player or two who are. Not that you have to like play the game seriously, but are at least like trying to play the game and like have fun within the context of the game. Yeah. Like if they're just you know, like does that does that ruin your experience? <laughs> yeah. If you told me one person just is always gonna be looking at their phone, I would just always pick two player games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I understand okay. I understand that um it happens, right? And I I don't I know I try not to get bothered by it, but uh, you. I would say eighty percent of the time it is not a problem, but when mm-hmm. it is a problem, twenty percent of the time, it feels like the biggest problem ever, and it feels yeah. like people aren't paying attention. And and for me, I know that the people that don't pay attention are also the people to first hold other people's feet to the flames when they yeah. catch them looking at their phone. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't be like, I just watched you look at your phone for 30 minutes. And I looked at my text <laughs> from my wife and you're going to give me crap. So I, just to avoid that. Yeah. I would just mm-hmm. pick two players. Gotcha. I, I hear you there. I The eight player game, I having an in general, I'm not saying always, but in general, I think the amount of fun you can have. With an eight-player game, to me, typically it's going to exceed the amount of fun you can have with a two-player game. Just because games of that size are developed in a different way to be 
more fun and more ridiculous and more over the top. Like those are going to be fun, cool experiences. And I'll be honest right now. I haven't had those experiences in a while now. Right. Yeah. Played a lot of two player games over the last year. Have not played many eight player games. So while I don't know three years ago, if I would have picked eight player game, uh, that's definitely what I would go with today for sure. Um, all right, Josh, if you had to pick, do you want to back a new Kickstarter or go pick up a new game at retail? Oh, uh, you know, at this point, um, I, I'm, I'm still the person who likes a mystery box, who likes oh. a blind pack, who likes things like that. So I think I'm far more likely to one, go support, uh, like a local game store, mm-hmm. um, and risk, risk it on a game that I haven't played before. Cause I think you still get that same experience from a Kickstarter. Yeah. essentially uh but you get it now so uh i think i would probably i mean i back so many kickstarters so it feels weird saying that but i think i'd rather just go get a, like a random game from a, a store i actually am going to agree with you uh i i do think it depends a little bit the quality of your friendly local game store yeah uh, the better game store you have the more likely i definitely would lean towards this but there is something just about browsing and going and looking and picking up boxes and holding them and reading the back of them and seeing like how many players and how long and just just something about that or looking at a box being like oh I think I've heard of this game before and that wasn't a game that was on your five games of your list that you're like oh I want to get one of these five games today it's just some other random thing that happens to be there um, and that doesn't happen on Kickstarter right like when you go to Kickstarter you're like I'm, sometimes you can browse Kickstarter but that's never a complete picture of what's available to you at that time right like. Whereas in the when you go to a retail store, like that's everything you could buy at that store. Granted, there might be other games outside of that, but that is everything that store has. You can take a look at it all and see if there's something there that's a good fit for you, and hopefully have someone who is knowledgeable and friendly behind the counter you can talk to and ask questions yeah. to and all that good <laughs> stuff. Uh, so yeah, if given the choice, I would always pick the new retail release. But like you, I feel like I've backed far more Kickstarters than I've backed purchase games from retail in the last. Year for sure, obviously, but <laughs> probably even the last two years, that's probably still true. So, okay, Josh, if you were given a choice in, let's say you were backing at Kickstarter and they said, okay, you can either have, we'll upgrade the standees in the game to miniatures, or we'll upgrade all of the cardboard bits and coins to like metal coins, upgraded bits, yeah. and things like that in the game. What are you going to pick? The minis or the upgraded bits? Uh, uh, if you asked me that a few years ago, I would pick the bits. Uh, but now my brain doesn't work right when I think about it. And I, if I see like a cardboard, like I think a dead of winter yeah, and I'm like, this game would be a hundred times better if it was minis. Cause I don't know <laughs> why, you know, like I know title blades, so people buy it in the stores. Now it comes with the cardboard standees. Right. That's fine. But I know I have a far superior product <laughs> and and that's how I, that's how my brain sees it. Like, I like, if if you think about it this way, it's the thing you interact with the most in the game from your point of view, usually. Your, depending your, on the game. Yeah, depending on the game. Your your character piece. So I think I'm just maybe, maybe even Gloomhaven did this for me. But I feel like something that I'm always interacting with, I'd prefer it to be the higher quality of everything else. Like, I'm so used yeah. to cardboard coins and and tiles and stuff. I don't know that that changes too much. Um, 
So yeah, for some reason, that's what I would pick. Okay, let me ask a, a question to see if this changes your answer. Instead of cardboard standees, what if they were meeples? Would you then upgrade the meeple to a mini, or would you like would you still make that upgrade, or would you then switch to the bits? I think I'm more. I'm, I'm more. I think I like meeples. Like I like meeples better than cardboard standees. Clearly, right. but um, no, because like I look at the Carcassonne Anniversary Edition that came out, and all it does is come with stickers to put on your meeples. Yeah, I'm like yeah. what a crock! Like <laughs> you're gonna charge for how much for this? So no, I, I, um, well I, I appreciate the middle ground that is a wooden meeple. I still think I prefer mm-hmm. minis in that situation, but I, you know, I'm not gonna say like um, metal coins aren't great because they are great in the right. in, you know in the right game. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I I was going down the same track of you as like thinking about the thing I interact with the most, and I think honestly, Josh, tip in most games, I think the mini that you have is actually the thing you interact with almost the least. Because you pick where you're going to move it to, but that's it. Then you're like getting all these coins and making change. You're getting resort. You're doing like all this other stuff with these other pieces. And a lot of ways, I feel like that mini looks really cool and it's an awesome table presence. But it's almost the thing you interact with the least, especially the game like Title Blade. It's like the dice and like all that other stuff is you're using so much more. And then on your turn, you're like, oh, I'm going to move this person from here to here. And that's all you do. And then it's like interacting with the cards and all the other stuff after that. But I'm probably still gonna be a sucker and pick the mini, <laughs> even though I, I, even though I, I don't know that they're as important. There is just a discernible difference to the table presence when you have a mini there versus a meeple or a standee. Granted, some of my favorite bits, like that, the bits in Everdell are amazing, and I oh, love yeah. them, yep. and I, and I really want to have things like that all the time. <sighs> Today I would say minis, but tomorrow I might pick something different as far as this goes. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I agree with you. I, I think I'm a little bit weird. In that regard, because I see a lot of people in the board game communities that buy, like, they go to the store and they buy Pathfinder figures to to incorporate into their other games. And I can't do that. It's just, (laughs) I can't. I don't know why, but I'm like, if someone was like, hey, if you have a complaint about just, like, I don't know, uh, fill in the blank game, uh because you don't like the cardboard pieces, why don't you just go buy a mini? And I'm like, I, I can't do it because that's not what the game like wants me to play with. For I don't know right. why, but my brain is broken in that way. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Josh. Uh, mm, do you want to keep going with the board game ones or do you want to switch to the video game ones? I want to do what you want to do. Okay, we'll keep going with the board game ones. I'm just trying to be respectful of time here too. All right, Josh. When you buy a board game and you get an expansion, do you want to be able to put that expansion in the base game or do you want to keep that expansion separately in its own box um well no matter what i say i'm going to feel like a hypocrite (laughs) (laughs) there's an exception for me there's an exception so I'm like both but but anyway go ahead here's what i will say i regret mixing all of my ascension and legendary sets Truly. However, I can't ignore how much easier it is to manage a game that way. Right? Like, right. opening up my legendary box, even though I took out my insert and and changed everything, at least I know all my heroes are in that one box. 
even if I can't fit everything into the one box, I know I had some way of organizing it. But I also now, like, I get expansions. Like, I'm looking right here. I have Everdell, Belfair, Spiregrass, Brook, and then Base Game. They're all separate, and I will not combine them, with the exception of them releasing um, a big box, like what, what they're going to do for Wingspan. Then I will not throw my boxes away, but I will put all the games together because it's all about space and convenience and easy setup. Uh, and that's what I prefer. So I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I am kind of both because, oh man, if, if I am going to always use the expansion, I will just put it in the base game. Right. However, if it's a situation where the expansion, sometimes I will use and sometimes I will not, then I want it in its own box or, easily easily separated in a way that you can tell in the base game that i i don't need to grab this thing to set up if i don't want it or don't need it yeah um and that's what's really hard is you know most of the games that come with these big boxes things like wingspan where you're i can't imagine a situation where you're not going to just use the expansions there i mean maybe you can make the argument when you're just teaching someone wingspan it might be easier not to have the expansions but I don't think the expansions are that drastically different where suddenly you're like, oh, no, this is a completely different game. Like, I, th I think you could easily just incorporate that while you're teaching. So that's what it is for me. So I don't really have a definitive answer. But if I had to pick one, I would say expansions in their own boxes just because I would rather have it that way than have to, than have to put all of them into the base box, if yeah. that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah. All right, Josh final board game one and then what we'll do is i'll put a pin in the video game ones and maybe we'll do it next week or maybe we'll still do it later this episode depending on how time goes cool so here we go josh when you're picking a game and if you had to pick do you prefer games that are 20 minutes or less or games that are two hours or more <laughs> there's nothing in between 20 minutes and nothing two in hours between, josh all of your pile uh, all of your games that you had to pick no i'm just saying in general in general if you had to pick do you, 20 minutes or less two hours or more um I think I would pick two hours or more because uh, I also want an experience. Um, I do have a hard time playing short games. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Um, I just feel like it's an effort to get board games to the table in general. And I feel like if it's something that's really short, I just don't know that I'm feel. I feel like it's valuing my time not that the game is bad but i just mm -hmm. in my i have an expectation right and it's not 20 minutes uh i can appreciate a 20 minute game especially for travel or mm -hmm. um when you're conventions where situations call for it but generally i like to sit down have fun with friends and, and not worry about time so i would pick the two plus hour one uh, and I'm on the same boat as you because when I think of playing board games, I still to this day think of playing board games as an event. Yes, agree. I'm sitting down to play a board game. And like you had said, there are great games that are 20 minutes or less. And that doesn't mean I don't play those. I definitely sometimes do play those, especially when we're waiting for people to show up or if we've just finished something really heavy. We want to play something really quick and really light at the end of the night. Definitely something that happens. But if I had to pick one and if I had to say I had a preference 
like I said, the, the huh, gaming is still really an event for me. Sitting down to play board games, it's like this thing that we plan to do and we do it. Um, and I get, I look forward to it. I get excited about it. I review rules before. Like it, there's all of this stuff that still goes into playing board games for me. That for I'm going to pick the more than two hours basically every single time if given the choice. So awesome, awesome. All right, so that's the this and that for board games. Like I said, for video games, maybe we'll have time later. If not, we'll hit it next week. So with that, Josh, we'll transition. What is your third topic this week? Well, Kyle, there have been some changes to the Cyberpunk team. And I want to know, what does this mean, if anything? When I say I want to know, I mean I want to tell you. Uh, So so Cyberpunk 2077 is a new game director. um, And it is its former creative uh, director, Gabriel uh, Amatangelo, or Amatangelo, who knows, um, he joined CD Projekt back in 2020. This is uh, from Eurogamer.net, by the way. Um, and he is now taking over from former game director Adam Badowski. Um, Badowski will now focus on other leadership duties within CD Projekt Red, including the company's new strategic development framework. So who knows what that means. Um, but they'll also be seeing Cyberpunk and Witcher brands developed in parallel uh, to that, um, before becoming creative director, um, Amatangelo also worked as a design director on Dragon Age Inquisition DLC, and he was lead designer on several expansions for Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, so Cyberpunk's roadmap, it still indicates we should see several free DLCs over the year, and they obviously cite that because of his experience with DLCs. I think my question to you is, does does this matter at all? And side question, should this new director be focusing on DLC or should this person be focusing on fixing the current game? That's a really good question. And I always struggle in, or in this case, I'm going to struggle answering it because it seems very odd to me that, Cyberpunk 2077, a game that supposedly came out in December and is a single-player narrative-focused game, has a new director? Right. Right? Like, isn't this game <laughs> supposed to be done? Right. Uh, clearly, it isn't, obviously. They're, they're, they're doing a lot of work on it still. And obviously, like you mentioned, DLC, additional expansions, all of that good stuff. Uh, is this a big deal? Yes and no, is what I'm going to say. Uh, CD Projekt Red has had a ton of changes recently. Um, you know, the director of The Witcher 3 left the studio. I mean, there's just been a lot of things that have been going on there. Uh, a lot of staff turnover, which is not uncommon following the release of a major project, right? Like, it happens all the time in AAA gaming that after a huge, massive game is released that took years and years to make, people are like, I want something new. I want something different. I don't want to keep looking at this game anymore. I want to follow these other passions or make these other these games of other interests. Like that is not uncommon. So that in and of itself does not worry me. What does worry me a little bit, though, is that you know, Cyberpunk still isn't back on the PlayStation Store. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna mention that. And <laughs> is that Sony just being really, really jerky about it? Maybe. Maybe Sony's just like, no, like you you clearly, you know, <laughs> like you don't you don't deserve whatever however you want to look at it. Like <laughs> Maybe they're just not happy with it. I mean, they probably had to give quite a few refunds, though the game obviously did just fine as far as the sales go. Um, so I I do think that 
in some ways similar to Ubisoft, who, you know, there's been news that maybe they haven't made as many changes as they said they were going to in regards to workplace culture. You know, maybe a little of that is starting to play out here. I, I hate to speculate because obviously we don't know. You know, there's a lot of the, you know, people who are like, oh, who, you know, it's a bad place to work. Others are like, it's a great place to work. I, but I, I do feel, though, that this was probably a really, really stressful team to be a part of and especially to be the director of the game um and obviously that person is staying they're just gonna be doing other work in cd project now but it yeah i i think that there is um probably some really really tired people at cd at cd project sure. right, right now and and um i i think they'll recover and i think they'll get back to making great stuff um but i think this is just the nature of you know you can only do so much you can only take so much you can only work so hard for so long on and eventually you just need to do something different uh, so I think that's why we see just as much turnover as we have. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really interested, though, to see when this game um, is relisted and purchasable <laughs> again on the PlayStation Store. But what do you think, Josh? Is this is this worrisome? Is this all for not? What are your thoughts? I think it's I don't think it's worrisome. I think that they're they're making this decision because things still need to be changed or fixed or whatever. Um, but something is missing and something is off now. I did not have the experience most people had with this game, and I'm very thankful for that to this day. Um, but yeah, we're, there's a lot of angry people still waiting for the game that they were promised. So I have to imagine that this is a good sign because maybe the former person couldn't meet the demand, and maybe this person can step up and do that. Or they can't, but it's not going to get any worse. So I think it's good in general. Well, I mean, I can't imagine it getting any worse. It, it might. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so really, I think it all comes to... I don't even know how much input the director of this game has now. I think this all falls on the CD Projekt Red higher-ups and how much they want to continue working and fixing this game. It just seems insane to me that they're even considering dlc at this point <laughs> right like fix your game you can't even buy it on one of the biggest the biggest platform that it's available on <laughs> like fix it so you can sell your game right. and then get the dlc out. so we'll see i love the game i still love the game and i still plan on another playthrough but uh I don't even know what my game experience will be like after the last four patches. They might have broke the game for me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, you know what? Wish everyone there the best of luck. Hopefully they're all happy and healthy and working on a game that, you know, they enjoy and that it's going to make cyberpunk everything that they dream it to be. Now that I have this beefy PC, Ooh. maybe I shouldn't think about getting it on PC. There you go. So I do. It is on sale on the Epic store and they do have that discount coupon right now too so i could probably get it pretty inexpensively but yeah. i do still want to play the game but you know i'm just not gonna play it on i any of the consoles i own so but yeah cool all right josh my final topic this week we had a whole lot of video game news josh a, a ton uh, uh we're clearly in that pre-e3 time because everything happens before e e3 and we'll I might bring up a couple of other things for us to touch on here, but the one that I was most interested in, and I think definitely had your interest peaked as well 
is that we got a Horizon Forbidden West state of play. Now, Josh, the first thing I want to ask, did you have any idea that this was going to be coming? Was this even an inkling that we'd get a Horizon Forbidden West state of play anytime soon? No, not this early, at least. It's very surprising. Right. Yeah, I am super surprised, too. I thought, I didn't think there was any way we were going to get this information when we did. But, hey, PlayStation surprised us, showed off more than 14 minutes of gameplay. Um, I know, obviously, Horizon Zero Dawn is a game Josh loves, a game I love. Uh, so with that, Josh, I, I am sure you checked out the trailer or the state of play. What were your thoughts? What are your feelings? <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about Horizon Forbidden West? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Don't go on the internet. Oh, my gosh. Do not go on the internet. Even those where you have to go to watch the trailer, just don't read any of the stuff on the internet. Just watch the trailer. Just, man. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to say it lightly, it blew me away. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we talking about the trailer now or about the stuff people are saying on the internet? No, the trailer. The stuff that people okay. are, on the, are saying on the internet is some of the, mo- the most stupid things I've read or seen. Uh, and some, like, I don't know. I don't know, Kyle. Someone, I don't know. I think I follow this person. I probably won't after today, unless they're a listener, and then you get a pass. Uh, said... <laughs> Like, this is, like, what I'm worried about, okay? So, immediately, we we have to do this Breath of the Wild dance again. And something I saw today was someone was like, after watching the Horizon 2 Forbidden West trailer, um, all signs point to um, limit limitless climbing. And I'm like, how how did you watch that trailer and ever get that opinion? Like, limitless right. climbing, like Breath of the Wild. And I'm like... Nothing indicates that. You're, not only are you setting yourself up for disappointment, but every single person that reads your tweet right. is going to think that they're setting up limitless climbing when it is very clear with like neon yellow rope where you can climb. And, the, and yeah. my biggest problem with that is what we see in this 14 minute demo is light years better traversal than the first game it is such an achievement if everything we're seeing is actual in-game i know it's like a mix they say at the bottom but i have no reason to doubt that what we see isn't actual gameplay where it looks like gameplay i i think the only reason they said that it was a mix is because it's like cutscene and gameplay yeah. so not that it's like oh part of this isn't like caught like live in game like on ps5 like i don't think they stitched up together right, right. But it's like parts of it are cutscenes, so that's not like gameplay. Yeah, if that makes sense. So it's like very clear. Like, so people are already doing a disservice to this game that have only watched a, a video. Oh, Josh, did you not see? see this isn't the controversy I thought. No, you I know which did one you you're going to talk one? about. Yes. So okay, another person online decided to comment about how, how Aloy looks too masculine for that person, and yeah, and doctor, she's not attractive enough. Doctored an image which. I don't know. It's just very frustrating to see stuff like this. And they commented on how, and I, and I later found out it's the person who tweeted this, who's getting all this attention, is a giant Xbox fanboy, um, and has has bashed PlayStation stuff in all of his previous tweets or her previous tweets. I'm assuming it's a guy. Um, so mentioned like all PlayStation's female protagonists are manly, and then they shared this doctored up. I'm like, first of all. We're living in a world without 
makeup, so to speak. There's definitely uh, iterations of war paint. Yeah. But like this photo of Aloy is like eyeliner, I like everything. The whole the work. So someone made a joke. It's like Aloy found Sephora in Forbidden West. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't fit with the character. I, and I will say we definitely talked about the debate between Aloy's age at certain points on our Discord, but Aloy is a beautiful young woman and woman in these games. Like, I don't understand people being the way they are, especially that person who is then you, you look at that person's page and they're loving the hate they're getting and right. they're calling everyone triggered. And I'm like, well, this is the world we live in, right? You say something to get attention and then you don't have to defend yourself because you can just say everyone's triggered or snowflakes or they call he calls everyone beta males, but everyone that's responding is female. So where's your beta male thing coming from? And you're the alpha male in your mind? Whatever. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting upset about this guy. We haven't even talked about this game. <laughs> right. Uh, right. We saw a bunch of new um, tools at Aloy's disposal. We saw the borrowing of the Fortnite umbrella, uh, which I thought was funny, but also very practical for her. We see that she's definitely... Um, excelled in technology like making things and, and using scraps to her benefit mm-hmm. the combat looks great and there's even like changes to how her how she handles combat um, it's nice to see Erin just still around and looking good everyone looked great they definitely fixed a lot of the um, facial uh, expressions a lot of people had complaints about in the first one uh, I mean, it still can't compete with the, like some other games out there, but um, it just—I think it looks great, and it's so vivid and eye-catching. It just pops the whole thing, and the same thing. Like when you watch the demo, starts off with like a quick like CG cutscene, and it like mm-hmm. as most PlayStation games do, transitions to um, you're controlling the character, and it just is one of those things. Like you're like, no way. It can't look this good. In fact, a lot of what I saw reminded me of Uncharted, if I'm being honest, more so than the first game. Um, she has these quips while she's like doing things that seem to be automatic in the game, if that's true, if that stays true. But th- yeah, but that happens in Uncharted. Like I wasn't thinking like, oh, they fabricated this for the demo. Like there's just like parts of Uncharted that dialogue is triggered while you're doing something. And I really felt like that's what they were going for. Yeah, I, I don't because if you go back to the initial Horizon reveal trailer all those years ago, though, um, Aloy did the same thing in that. Okay. In that. So I that's the one that I, I don't know if that is to help spruce up the trailer a little bit since you're just listening to a gameplay thing go on to make that more interesting. Yeah. Or if that actually will be that way. But I agree because I did say I did feel like, oh, they're pulling in a little more, you know, jokey protagonist type you know making those comments but I, I i'll be either way i wouldn't be surprised if it stays or if it goes sorry you can continue on no that's okay <laughs> i was i'm stealing your topic <laughs> no it's fine i want to know what you thought because you're the one you like you are the person i know who knows enjoys horizon like as much as anyone so i want to know what your thoughts were as someone who's a fan of the series yeah i mean um they they seem to have reworked the enemy ai uh in a, in a positive way uh, the underwater stuff looks incredible. 
And it's nice to know they say it in the thing, like, you have a rebreather so you can stay underwater as long as you want. There's a really cool thing where the current actually pushes the character model in a way that you would imagine would happen to a real person in a current swimming against the underwater. It just was, like, perfect. And we see a great boss fight, we see a great boss fight uh, yep. which they didn't have to show us that, but it no. was great. And they even took a part in the boss fight to highlight um, interactive... Like the interactivity between you and the boss, like they show Aloy grappling and then jumping and grappling and jumping and then paragliding, which they didn't have to do, but they did it. Mm-hmm. So you would see her swinging back in front of the bad guy, which is a giant um, uh, mammoth, swinging its trunk through essentially a giant um, brick structure, but it also hits you because you're gliding in front of the trunk and knocks you down. Like they really did a great job at like showcasing that. Um, I've watched, right. I've watched this trailer like six times. So yeah, I watched it a lot uh, too. I so watched it many, many I times. I definitely have a lot of like, like points of view on it. And I kept looking for, um, different things, but it looks like just real quickly based off of her, like looking at her weapon wheel there's going to be a lot more options for weapons and upgrades mm-hmm. and there's even like an animation a couple of different animations they added um in the fights and also when she like has like a super move for her spear um and they were all seamless they look really good um i was very impressed i was just bummed we didn't get a date yeah yeah i am bummed when do you think this game's coming out i you know people bask and then i don't know what to say i want it to come out this year I don't know that it will. Uh, okay. If I could pick a month, I would pick November, um, selfishly. But I don't know when it's coming out. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know, too. I think it's still this year. I, I do still think it's it's um, coming this year. I, I, my guess is they are waiting for a couple other third-party partner things to shake out before they released. Um in the PlayStation blog, they said, you know, it says, quote, thanks for watching our horizon for Bidden West gameplay reveal. We don't have an exact release date yet, but development's on track and we'll have an update for you very soon, end quote. So I think it has to do with a logistics thing of like what other games are coming out when finalizing or trying to finalize like what they think with some other things. And so that's more of why I think we don't have a date. I think November would be good. Uh, you know, we have seen some games now coming in October and December yeah. that both look pretty great. Uh, we'll talk about those in a second. But yeah, I was blown away by this trailer. It, the game looks incredible. Um, the thing that most impressed me, though, is definitely the melee combat. Because in the in Horizon, the melee combat is admittedly not the best part of the game. There, there's some work that they need to do there. And the part where she like grabs that thing and like puts it into her staff thing, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this looks so cool!" Yeah. Like it was just such a fun like, I don't know. I'm I just thought it looks really good. I'm really excited to play this game. Um, part of me says take the time that you need to. Like I'm I'm not super worried about when it comes out because I'm going to take some time and play this game no matter what. Um, but I thought it looked incredible. I'm not a huge fan of underwater stuff in general, but it looked beautiful when they were underwater. Um, I'm really excited for this game, uh, and I thought it was a great showcase and a really, really good introduction um, to what they're trying to do with Horizon Forbidden West. And you're right, Josh. I, you know, there's a lot of questions out there right now about frames and 
the climbing, like all of that stuff. And who knows? Like, we don't know. I would assume that this is going to be 4K 30, 1080p 60. I'm hoping yeah. um, that they give that a 60 option there. But we'll find all that stuff out in due time. We don't need to know the answers to that stuff right now. It's not like I'm suddenly not going to play the game if it's 4K 30, right? Like, will I be a bit bummed that I don't have 60 frame per second option? Absolutely. This is also a cross-gen game. Uh, so I, I won't be totally surprised if there's no 60 frames per second at 4K on PS5. But I would like there to be, but we'll have to wait and see. Any other thoughts on Horizon, Josh, before I hit you with a couple other games or a couple other things? No, just give it to me, please. <laughs> give it to me. All right, Josh. So some other things. Um, one thing that, you know, co-founder, founder, idea man, CEO, whatever we want to call him, uh, Donnie got his Dying Light 2 information. Josh, what are your thoughts? This was, uh, you know, they kind of came out and they're, they're doing this little series called Dying to Know, which I think is, is funny and cool. You know, it's a nice little um, marketing little thing that they're doing there. And they, they showed more of Dying Light 2, this game. You know, we first saw forever ago like i don't even remember what 2018 2016 2017 somewhere a long time ago uh you know it's been delayed multiple times been rumors about tough development it seems like they're really going for it they're they're putting a lot into this game um but we saw some some gameplay you know a bit more about the story a bit more about the map all of that good stuff Where, where's your hype levels for dying light 2 uh on a scale of what <laughs> Of hyped to not hyped. Not hyped. Not hyped. No. Are you going to play this game? No. Did you play the first one? I did. And you just didn't like it? Correct. Okay. Well, <laughs> forget you, Dying Light 2. You're coming out in December. Josh doesn't care. Donnie is stoked. Uh, another game, though, Josh, that I'm pretty positive you are stoked about is the next installment of Far Cry, which we got a trailer for Far Cry 6, a gameplay trailer for it. Uh, in addition, we got a release date for it, which is October 7th. I believe, or early October, either way. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on Far Cry 6? Uh, looks great. Uh, I don't have too many thoughts. Uh, it, it, uh, it, I was always excited about it. I don't know that I saw anything to make me more excited about it. I know that there's definitely things that, um, that, that got other people's attention, but uh, you know, Far Cry 5 was my first Far Cry. Um, I love the animal companions in the game. I don't. I liked the human companions less. Uh, I always had Boomer with me. It didn't matter. And then I had the cougar and Boomer mm -hmm. or the mountain lion or whatever it was. Right. Um. So uh, I think it's great that you can have animal companions, but uh, you know, this is a game that seems to be more urban or densely uh, or dense, and I don't know how beneficial companions are in that regard. If I'm just thinking on the companion piece, mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in the story, uh, which is, uh, seems to be very compelling. I think all the character models look phenomenal, uh, photorealistic even. So I'm looking forward to playing it, but, uh, I, d I don't want that to come across as me not being excited. I just think it met my current excitement level. Um, so I just, in fact, seeing what we saw, I really wished I didn't see any of it because I kind of just want to explore the game without knowing anything. I can see that. So will you not watch any other trailers or anything going forward? No, I mean, I will. I'm not like, I'm not the type of person to shy away from stuff like that because um, I know that I'm not afraid of spoilers. Like, um, it's like, what? how do I even like, it's like watching a Star Wars trailer. 
Like I'm already, I already know where I'm excited, and yeah, I want to see what snippets they give us in the trailer. But mm-hmm. I also know that they're not going to show me anything that's going to blow my mind. So I'm like, cool. This is still just exciting me and making me want it to be sooner. So let's just get to October. And then that's the most exciting part, right? For me, it was the release date. I agree. This is a game that despite what people think, <laughs> um, I am actually really excited and looking forward to this game. I, in general, really like the Far Cry games. I just liked Far Cry 5 less than apparently everyone at PSVG. Still liked it, <laughs> just didn't love it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I, I love the fact that uh, one of your companions is Chorizo, and, he, and the dog, he's got a little wheelchair for his back legs. And then you have the crocodile who wears a t-shirt. Like, I love that. And this is always, like, the weird thing, too, of, you know, Far Cry, it has, it has this really weird tonal thing with it. It's almost kind of like the Uncharted games. In the sense that, like, there's this really serious, self-serious, almost, like, situation you're put into. Yeah. Of, like, fascist government, putting (laughs) down their own people, martial law. Yeah. But here's your companion, which is a wiener dog in a wheelchair and a crocodile that wears a t-shirt. And they can attack people for you. Like, it's just this very odd juxtaposition of theme and then what you actually do in the game. Just like in Uncharted... You're like, hey, I'm plucky Nathan Drake, but I'm going to shoot a whole bunch of bad dudes. You know, like it's just these weird, you know, yeah. juxtapositions of things that are going on there. Um, the Ludo narrative dissidents, if you want to look at it that way. It just, I don't know. It, I just think in five, it really, really hit me um, about how much it was. And with six, I, I feel like that will hit me again, but that doesn't mean I won't enjoy playing it still. Um, so, yep, yeah, definitely still looking forward to it. Um, any other video game news from the week that was talked about or revealed that you want to chat about, Josh? Or we haven't really talked much about any of the things. So any other thoughts at all? Uh, at this moment, uh, the only thing I, other thing I can think of is the Sonic thing. And they teased the new Sonic for 2022. And we get a, yep. we get a remake of a 15-year-old Sonic game, <laughs> Sonic Colors. Is it, yeah. it might not be that old, but it's from the Wii, I think. So, I mean, more Sonic is a good thing, but I I would rather... Why? For Sonic's 30th anniversary, you do a 13-minute video where you showcase some of the most bizarre-looking Sonic DLCs ever created, and then you you end it with a 10-second teaser for a new Sonic game. Like, it doesn't seem like you're doing a great job with Sonic's 30th anniversary, Sega. (laughs) Josh, Sorry, how, Sega. How, Sega, <laughs> how much uh, Sonic have you played in general? Like, if you like, have you played a lot of Sonic games? Yes, almost all of them. Okay, I think I had a really, I had a friend when I was a kid who had a Genesis. Yeah. Other than playing Sonic at his house, I've never played any other Sonic game. Wow. Ever. Wow. So when people are like, "Oh, I do Sonic game," I'm like, I really don't care. <laughs> I'm glad for the people who are excited. That's cool. Sure. I like. I even have Sonic Mania because like, it was on a PS Plus game. I've never even downloaded it. I kind of want to play them. Yeah, you're missing but out. I'm just well, but see, most people tell me they're bad. Who's most people? They're wrong. <laughs> the internet. The internet tells oh, me Sonic boy. games are bad and overrated. <laughs> well, is that not true? Is that, Josh? Is the internet lying? No, to you? I mean, I think you're onto something. You should probably live your life based off how the internet tells you to. <laughs> well. If I lived my life the way the internet told me to, I don't think I'd be able to. Yeah, I don't think any of us would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so. Cool. Any other news that you want to talk about? Uh, No, I don't think so. 
I think we nailed it. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm sure that over the next couple of weeks, we'll have a ton more video game news. So sorry, board game listeners, but with E3 around the corner, uh, I think things are going to get pretty saturated moving forward here. Um, Speaking of which, prediction time. Josh, what's going to be announced between the time we record this podcast and it releasing Tuesday morning? Well, actually, you know what? I want to say something. If you're listening to this and you haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn, play it. Yes. Or at least try it. Then I'll say my prediction. So we just got all these game announcements. I'm using my prediction is not a crazy one because it's kind of been lingering, but I really feel like this new Battlefield announcement has to be this week. It has to be. Um, and in fact, if it, it should have came out last week to get ahead of all of the other hype that just happened. Uh, yeah. I think that that was not good for them. So I think we're gonna get we're gonna get this Battlefield Six uh, gameplay, not just announcement, but we'll see some gameplay this week. That's a good prediction. I think it's about time for that as well. Um, you know, and you know that game's coming to Game Pass, day and date. So you know, we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> That's at least the rumors. We'll That's the rumors. And with the way Xbox is throwing around money, that wouldn't surprise me. All right, Josh, I'm gonna throw out. Um, this is probably. I don't know what's going to happen Monday, but I feel like everything is telling me it's happening this week. I'm just going to go with the Switch Pro announcement. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's about been about the uh, best kept secret, meaning worst kept secret of the last few weeks is that that Switch Pro is coming. Um, a lot of people were saying the announcement was going to happen at the end of last week, and that clearly didn't happen. Uh, so I anticipate this week would be a great time for it to happen. Um, and that way, you know, when Nintendo does their E3 Direct, they can maybe talk about games, can, how they'll, they'll play on the Switch can Pro. They talk, right? Can they call it a pro if it can barely play current-gen games? <laughs> you, it's the Switch Pro. It might be able to play current-gen games just fine. No, I'm assuming it won't be able to. <laughs> yeah, probably it's gonna like play last It's like you can games. play a Skyrim on it. Wait, couldn't you do that on the Switch? <laughs> oh, yeah, but without <laughs> <Can> Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do think that's going to happen. Yeah. And I would be interested to see that and interested, especially if they uh, rework the Joy-Cons a little bit, maybe so that they don't drift as much. And then so my <laughs> little fingers can hold the thing OK and the system OK. Uh, my poor little fingers get so tired. That's what the Switch um, Pro is, right? It's just going to be a new Switch that comes with a Pro controller. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see. I, I, I do feel like that's imminent. And I, I I'll be really interested to see how Nintendo does it. Because Nintendo being Nintendo, you know, they might be like, oh, this game is only available on Switch Pro, and then it's like five games oh, out of that like way. like new 3DS style. Yeah, like, it, I'll be very interested to see kind of how they do that. Uh, but we'll we'll wait and see. Um, I, it's one of those weird things, Josh. I always get really, I always really look forward to, like, Nintendo's, like, directs and them talking about stuff, and I watch them all. And then I just never play any of their stuff. So I don't know if it's, like, a nostalgia thing for me. Or I just like the look of them, or I just want to be part of like the conversation or be able to answer questions. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. I just really like watching their stuff, but then just really don't engage with it. I don't. I don't know what the deal is there. I agree but. with you. I want to want to play their games. Yeah, it, I really do. And then every time I start, I just I I uh, I just can't get into it. And it's not their fault. I'm not saying they're bad. Yeah. I just think that maybe I'm not the target demographic anymore, and that's okay. That's totally fine. I just want to be cool, and you know. Be all about Nintendo. I agree. So. 
All right, Josh, well, let's go ahead and work towards rounding this episode up, which means we're going to give some recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we do want to give you one other thing we're into that is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners? Okay. Want to feel old? Well, watch the Friends Reunion on HBO Max. That's my recommendation. Uh... I've been looking forward to this in a weird way. Uh, Friends, I think, is probably consistently my favorite show, at least comedy um, out there. I really don't think there's a a bad episode uh, for me, and something that I have repeatedly watched over and over um, in reruns or on streaming. And I have like this, you know, that's like it was going on. As I was growing up, so I also have a like a real affinity towards the cast and the show and and all this kind of th- these kinds of things. We've definitely talked about friends on our podcast before in the past. Uh, just something that I, it's always uh, with me. And watching their friends reunion was awesome. It was it was just uh, it's kind of one of those things. Like I wish all shows got this documentary style approach to the making of the show um that you enjoyed like i would love one of these for lost or 24 or breaking bad or battlestar like all these shows um because it's really cool to see how these things are made i mean this didn't really focus too much on that but really what this focused on was um i think a rarity in television where uh you have no reason to doubt that every single one of these people didn't love each other um and weren't really friends and and they never even when they're talking to them or when they're talking to each other that never wavers like you never have a like a a second thought as to where like oh these two guys don't like each other or, or you know whatever um so i guess wholesome would probably be the best way to describe it but uh you you get to see some things you haven't seen before if you watch friends some behind the scenes stuff you get to learn about how they cast the show and some other things like that. Uh, uh, it was just enjoyable uh, on on the whole. So, Friends or Union. If you like Friends and have watched it. It's on HBO Max. If you don't like Friends, don't watch this. <laughs> All right. So, that's a great suggestion. I should probably watch that. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I, it's on my to-watch list. That is for sure. Um, Josh, my recommendation is going to be uh, a podcast. Oh. And it is con- in connection with... My recommendation last week. As you may know, last week I talked about how I have started watching The Office. Yes. Oh. For the first time <laughs> I ever. <know> this is. <laughs> um, and I am now on season five. So I'm wow. doing pretty good. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've found it through this pretty good. Uh, so my recommendation is The Office Ladies podcast, um, which is a rewatch podcast that has Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher on it. So Jenna, who obviously played Pam, and Angela, who played Angela, uh, going through episode by episode um, and talking about behind-the-scenes stuff. So in some ways, it's actually really similar to your recommendation, but just about The Office, <laughs> um, and giving you some really interesting insights into the world of television. And I think that's almost the most interesting thing here. They, they do give you some 
thoughts and feedback and they actually give you like time codes about the episodes of like oh at this time this thing happens and here's like how we shot it and all this other stuff but just really the behind the scenes things about like how television works is really fascinating and the number of takes it takes for them to get things and how much of the show is written and how much of it is improv like all that's really interesting to find out and i think just gives you a very cool look at the way shows are created and developed for television and um, how much everyone just thought they were going to fail. Like they all just assumed that the office was going to be canceled after the first year. Like none of them thought the show was going to be successful, which is just interesting, right? That, you know, now in retrospect where you're like, what are you talking about? Just like one of the most popular, you know, and successful comedy shows ever. And they're like, Oh yeah, we thought we were going to be canceled after our first season. Cause we only got six episodes, you know? So it's just very, very interesting. Um, and they've really great guests. Most of the cast, well, not most, many of the cast members have showed up. They've had directors on like really interesting, thoughtful people, uh, kind of talking about how they make the magic of television happen. And it's very, very interesting. Um, I will say though, it is definitely a rewatch podcast. Yeah. So if you have not watched the office, the whole thing, uh, you're going to get spoilers like right away <laughs> because it is definitely a rewatch like, hey, you're supposed to rewatch this and start going because they talk about like the plot of the entire show very, very early. Um, luckily, I have known most of the general things about it just because of the po- popular zeitgeist of what The Office was. So nothing significant has been spoiled for me or nothing that I didn't already know. Uh, but just know that if you've never, ever watched the show and you're like, oh, I'm going to start watching the show and listening to this. Maybe not the best idea. Maybe watch the whole show and then listen to this. But anyway, that's the Office Ladies podcast. It actually, Josh, won the iHeartRadio podcast of the year for 2020. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought it was going to be us, but apparently uh, not. So anyway. Another year. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji. So please use that hashtag as well on all social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Yeah, you can find me at Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Steam, at Why So Serious, S-I-R-R-I-U-S. I do have a Switch. I do play it sometimes. They still have friend codes, so we'll never be friends. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.